This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicago First podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Haima Black, live with Tim McElrath and Joe Principe of Rise Against. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing yeah, well. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. You guys are busy. Like you've got, you always are a busy band, but today especially, you're really busy. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for uh, having us. I'm glad we got to sit down. Yeah, man. It, so we're here in Chicago. I know you guys are always all over the place. How does it feel to be back home? Uh, especially on like such an amazing, beautiful day because yeah. we only get so many of them here. So it's cool to be like <laughs> down here in the city and everyone's out and the sun's out and it's just like I don't know. It's just it's good. It's good to be here. It's it's like it's bittersweet to have to leave for tour uh, tomorrow. Yeah, because it's like. You know, when this weather rolls around, you know, it's like you just gear up for like, cool, finally, good weather, let's go outside. And now we're going to go spend it in, <laughs> in, inside a tour bus. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've been driving around with the top off my Jeep all week, hence the tan. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it'll, it'll be, uh, at least we're playing outdoors most, most of the Yeah, you're right, summer. absolutely. So, oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so right now, like, we're kind of on the verge of this huge thing. Uh, tomorrow, the new record Wolves comes out, mm-hmm. and you're launching this tour with Deftones across the summer. Like, does it kind of feel like the day before Christmas for you guys? Like when you were a kid and you're like, just, it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's like it's like well, Christmas is kind of like different because like you don't know what you're gonna get, so it's like you're the one. I imagine it's kind of like because this is like a gift that we've prepared for like a long time. It's like we know what's going on inside there. We did it months ago, and we've just been anxious to have people hear it and and check it out. So it's kind of like we've now we've done everything we can do now, and now we get to like let let it all kind of unfold, let the world open it up and and check it out. So, but it's it's your Christmas present, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's our it's our gift. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll see how well it's received. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the tour is starting in Chicago. Was that you guys doing? Did you tell Chino like, look, look, man, this is where it's happening. Yeah, um, and he was like, as long as we play a bend on 4th of July. Yeah, yeah that, that was the deal. <laughs> yeah. um, it just kind of worked out that way. Um, I don't think we've ever started a tour on a record release day. Absolutely. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a happy accident, Yeah, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't think it was really... It's awesome. Yeah. I'm stoked. Because the guys have been here all week, and we were in Rockford, Illinois last night, which was the only arena available in the Chicagoland area for us to set up all our gear, apparently. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, like, because all of our crews from all over the country, and so they're like, have you guys heard of Rockford, Illinois? And we're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have. <laughs> we have. Well, what, why? You know, so we were there just last night till like, midnight, just, like, hanging out and playing all our stuff. Um, but so it's nice to do it all kind of local here in Chicago, because right. the opening days, or the first days before you head out on tour, there's just a lot of work to do. Oh, I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, even today, like, you've got the in-store at Reckless. You were just doing a thing with 101 KQX. So, like, yeah. you guys are everywhere. Absolutely. And our crew is right now, like, working on all of our gear and making sure that Friday night goes off. So it's just sort of one of those things. A lot of moving pieces. And so it's it's cool to be at least to be able to, like, be do it here in Chicago. Yeah. Now, the new record, Wolves, is coming out tomorrow. And this is the eighth record. Rise Against, you guys, have, you've done records before. You've done this process. You're not new to it. So, like... With this album, like, what sets it apart for you guys? Like, what makes this a different experience? I mean, I think for us, first and foremost, we uh, switched kind of the production team, the mixer, um, and uh, that that was huge because 
Nick Raskulinex produced mm-hmm. the record. His process is kind of polar opposite from Bill Stevenson, who's done five records with us. And and uh, Nick is definitely a more of a, a live in the moment and don't try not to overthink everything, you know, so much, which is hard for us because that's kind of how that's all we know. Like we we want to make sure everything's, you know perfect so we kind of like put everything under the microscope and this record was a little bit uh you know keep the keep the the train moving kind of thing was that kind of what it was like in in the old days and like the fat records days like was it a little bit looser back then and, and like more kind of raw yeah or were you guys I mean, always that so the two records we did on fat both were very different and so like the first one we were like this brand new band that our you know our producer didn't know what kind of band we were um, our the fans didn't know what kind of band we were, and I was at the four bus didn't know what kind of band we were. We were right. like, yeah, kind of figuring it out, just groping around in the dark, just like here we had these songs, and like I was doing what I was doing over them. So it's like sometimes it was, you know, I feel like if you were to like, like just be listening on a rise against practice, it's like, well, here's ever changing. They're clearly a, a pop punk band. Oh, right. but but here's stained glass and marble. I guess they're a hardcore band. Or here's <laughs> alive and well. Maybe they're just like a straight punk band. So it's like. We were carving out our identity. You know, right. We were figuring out who we were. So by the time we hit our second record with Bill, I feel like we had a better idea of who we were. I, I always think of our second record as like our third record. Like I feel like, <laughs> yeah, like in the yeah. time that a normal band would have gone into the studio to do a second record, we got back in the van and did another year of touring. You know, and so we were a different band by time. And then that was with Bill Stevenson, our second record. So it was we were far more prepared back then. I would say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because you didn't have the money to mess around. You just you had to, you had you had a finite amount of days. It was like you got to nail it. I, I remember doing demos for Revolutions per Minute, and Fat Mike called me. He goes, "Oh God, thank God, this record's gonna be fucking awesome." He's like, "Cause you never know what a band's second record and what's gonna happen." He's like, "But you guys, like, this is gonna be it's gonna be great." And I feel like we also we, because what Tim mentioned, we were kind of all over the map. Style-wise, it kind of set us up to do whatever we Absolutely, wanted, yeah. you know, right, like right. Mm-hmm. which is which is rad. You know, we're not kind of you know confined to one. Totally, because we, you know, like a lot of like most people, we listen to all kinds of music. So I love mm-hmm. a good pop song as much as I love a good hardcore song, and so it was nice not to have ever painted ourselves in a corner where it would be weird for us to do this or weird for us to do this. Instead, it's like we felt very it gave us license to do kind of uh, whatever whatever we wanted. Well, yeah, and, and so Tim and I talked about this uh, in Illinois Entertainer a little bit, but it's like, you know, Rise Against, nobody ever talks about the fact that you guys write ballads as well. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just yeah. like, they're this, like, hardcore activist, but then there's, like, it's a lot of personal songs in there as well. And yeah. and it does feel like you guys, I, I think, are a lot more versatile than I think maybe people kind of, like, give you credit for. Does it ever feel like that? Um, no, you, you make a good point. Um, and and um, I, I feel fortunate that... that that we can do that, but but I also feel like it, it's quick. It's easy for somebody to kind of point out, like to label, like oh, political band, pop band. So we get the political band label. At least we did a lot more. Yeah. Maybe like ten years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, "Swing Life Away" was written before "Siren Song." Absolutely, it was written <laughs> during RPM. Actually, it was even before yeah. RPM. And Bill actually was like, "You should put it on RPM." Yeah. On Revolutions Per Minute. And at that point, we couldn't wrap our head around the idea of playing an acoustic song. Like we were playing dirty dives right. and doing 40-minute <laughs> blasts of punk rock to like a sweaty, shirtless crowd. The idea of playing an acoustic song in the midst of that was like really strange. And so Bill's like, that's a good song. You should put that out, you know, or whatever on, on uh, 
the record. And we're like, no way, dude. We're not putting this in the record. <laughs> and then it wasn't until it wasn't until Punko's Acoustic, Fearless Records, Punko's Acoustic compilation, hit us up and said, we'd like to feature you on this. And we couldn't, we also couldn't wrap right around doing an acoustic version of any existing Rise Against song. Yeah. And so the guys were like, what about that thing you wrote? You know, that like you played us. Right. And I was like, oh, actually, yeah, this would be perfect. We'll put it on that. And I think that first version was recorded with Bill at Blasting yeah. Room, maybe during the RPM sessions. Yeah, absolutely. I want to say. And then it came out, it came out to like to little fanfare on the Punko's acoustic comp. And then it slowly got wings. Like it slowly, you know, people started to hear it. And then when we finally did Siren Song a year or two later, uh, again, like our A&R guy was like, what's that acoustic song? And I'm like, oh, it's just this thing. And he's like, you should put it on this record. And, and that's wild. So wild. And like, what's interesting to me about Rise Against Career 2 is that Siren Song of the Counterculture was our major mm-hmm. label debut. In, in, for all intents and purposes, it was our introduction or the mainstream world's introduction right, to sure, us. Sure, sure. And, I, and the two biggest singles that propelled that release were two previously released songs. That's pretty funny. Give It All was already in a Rock Against Bush compilation right. that we had already put out a year before. It was an yeah. old song. And Swing Life Away was an old song that we recorded. And those are the two songs that that record kind of, you know, that record went gold. And it was like off of songs that we'd already put out. <laughs> like people could have already. Yeah, yeah. It's what, sorry, Rock Against Bush. That's just, I don't know if anyone said those words in a whole I know, right? <laughs> well, it occurred to me that well, this is our fourth president as a band. Yeah. We've been through wild. four administrations, you know, all of which were eight year administrations, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the two main ones. You know, I mean, like Bush sure. and Obama were eight years, but we were right at the end, end of Clinton, and now we are into uh, Beelzebub himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and so I know that, that you and I kind of touched on this, Tim, but, like, Joe, too, I mean, and, and both of you, like, with this record, Wolves, is it too straightforward to say that it's a response to Trump? Is, it, is that too easy of an answer? Is that not even accurate, or how do you view it? Because I think for a lot of people, they're just going to look at it and be like, Oh, this is their Trump record. I mean, it, it, I feel like it's not it's not all that. Right. But there's definitely elements of that on the record. I mean, it's kind of like how, how could there not be... I always describe Tim's lyric writing as he writes from a personal perspective. Mm. And that, that perspective deals with politics and it deals with relationships. That's why you, on the Rise Against record, you kind of we kind of cover all the bases. And it's hard to avoid politics. Well, yeah. Yeah, especially right now. Like, especially right now, yeah. yeah. I mean, everything right now feels political. Like, there's, mm. there's almost nothing that's... You buy paper towels, and it's like, there's some way that that's political. Totally. I mean, like, in the time that we've been talking right now, 10 insanely bullshit things have happened that we don't even know about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to... When we turn this off mics. and, like, check our phones, we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, we're going to be like, how did... Yeah, <laughs> that's what's going to happen, like, this afternoon. Well, especially today. Today is a, a pretty significant day, today I think, is a big day. in history, probably. Right. But uh, going back, like... You know, during the Bush administration, like I wrote songs that I was hoping that would still be relevant years later because I realized that a guy like Bush is more than just a person. He's a creation of a lot of different ideologies and there was going to be another Bush. Right. And so I wanted songs that could also apply to the environment that created somebody like Bush. You know, and I think that I'm glad we did because I think those songs are relevant today because that same ideology, like Bush is gone, but the ideology is right. Gone. It's still you know there, I mean? and even Trump, like especially after today, he might be gone next week. But the ideology that put him in office will not disappear. No, People, no, 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 it doesn't end with him. Exactly, and so yeah. it's like I would love to have. We talked about this, but like I'd love to have songs that are treating the disease, not just the symptoms. And a guy like Trump is just kind of a symptom. You can't 
can't give him too much credit. You know what I mean? No, he's, he's just, just sort of the figurehead. Yeah, he's kind of like the lucky bastard that was there <laughs> when racist and sexist America decided to vote. Yeah, there you go. There's the full quote. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so along those lines, you know, since you guys are obviously a very active activist group, um, do you feel like the new generation that's coming to your shows? Are they a better fit for the message of Rise Against maybe than the the audiences you had before? Because they have access to so much more information, and you see so many young people marching. You see so many young people like creating petitions. Like it feels like activism has really caught on in a way that it maybe hasn't in a long, long time. Yeah, I would say so. I, it's a, something that occurs to me. Like I feel like the one thing that Rise Against fights in our sort of our our community of fans is just simply apathy. People yeah. are just like unplugged. And I feel like this generation, it's like almost simultaneously more unplugged, but then simultaneously more plugged in sometimes than than ever before. Because I feel like it's sort of like that adage where you talk about like kids these days and the things that they learn mm-hmm. at younger ages than we learned them, whether it's like swear words or sex or whatever. You know, like they the kids seem like they're learning things at a younger age than we learned. I think that goes for politics too. Oh yeah, like absolutely. I don't, I don't remember politics factored into my 15, 16 year old life. No, right? it, was, you know it I mean? was a thing like old people cared uh, about for to- whatever Totally. Reason. I would have been hard pressed to tell you the difference between a Republican and a Democrat. I knew who Bill Clinton was. And right. I, and that was, that was period. That was yeah, the end. absolutely. Politics yeah. were not um, as sort of like hyper-focused as they are now. And so these the young people these days, for better or worse, are getting immersed into politics at a younger age than ever before. And to have candidates like Donald Trump be their first introduction to the, to a party, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. that's a pretty stark introduction. They're learning and that's that's the party. That's like that's they put him in power. You know what I mean? Like this is their guy that said this is the best possible candidate we could produce. This is who we want in office. That's just the vote. That's what happens. And so when young people see like, well, I'm trying to figure out what Democrats are and what Republicans are, what the right and what the left is. And when they see Trump, it's like, that will be the poster child for the right, for their generation. Right, in you their know? mind. Absolutely, because yeah. they're, they're at a point where they're learning. And so in that sense, like every time he opens his mouth, he's turning somebody away. You know, I think that'll be an effect that we won't see tomorrow, but it's an effect that we will see over the long term. So with you guys going on tour, with that starting tomorrow and, and going across the summer, and I know you've even got fall dates lined up, and with this period of where we are right now, with politics, with activism, with so many of these themes, like, does that impact your approach to the tour as well? Does it impact the messaging you're bringing on tour, or how do you view that? I mean, <clears throat> certainly. I mean, I, I, there's definitely elements of that, you know, kind of built into our our show, our production. Um, but I, I feel like it's it's important, you know, it's important for us to to kind of carry that on stage. And, and you know, kind of be proud because I feel like we're great at doing what we do. In other words, like we, I wouldn't feel right if we were kind of silenced, you know. Sure. So, so I, I, I personally am looking forward to taking that like on on stage on the road, and and you know, doing what we do best. When you guys are on the road and you're able to obviously interact with fans a lot more, like. Do you have moments where you maybe get to talk to somebody in the audience, you get to talk to somebody after a show, and you think, like, these people really get it. Like, the people who are coming to our shows actually get what this message is. 
Yes, that that does happen. If it had only happened once in the last like eighteen years, it would have been worth it. And the fact that it's right. happened more than once, it's like I'm, I don't remember I told you the story or not when we talked for the IE. But like uh, we were just rehearsing in Chicago like a month ago, and I went out to get a coffee, and I got in line behind a guy who had a Rise Against tattoo. Oh yeah. Yeah, and like was, he turned around, he was like, "Oh." <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, what's up? Yeah. And like, we started talking. I'm like, well, where, where in Chicago are you from? And he's like, I'm not from Chicago. I just flew in. I'm a civil rights lawyer. And I'm here um, suing corrupt law enforcement, you know, on behalf of the people. Wow. And I was like, what? That's amazing. He goes, well, yeah. He goes, I'm so happy to see you because I just want you to, you to know that like your band set me off in this direction. Dude, I mean, that's like, that is like, I feel like if somebody was like, what does Tim want for Christmas? Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, I was like trying not to cry. I was like tearing up. I was like, holy shit, you just made every single lyric I ever wrote worth it, you know? And he was like, you're my hero. And I'm like, no, man, you're my hero. Like you yeah. are, you are the boots on the ground, like in the trenches, like, like fighting the good fight and, and mm-hmm. doing it here in my city. Like you're yeah. making this, you're making my city a better place right. by finding the bad apples and, and chucking them. You know, yeah. and like that's amazing. And so I just I was like I don't even know if I was able to like like uh, impress upon him my full appreciation for it. But I was just like in shock. And I came back to the space and I'm like, dudes, <laughs> like I've been gone for like nine minutes, but I know like guess what just happened? You know what I mean? Right. It was just such like I don't know. And I know that doesn't happen for every single person in a rise against crowd. People are kind of banging their heads a little bit and just hanging out. And maybe they heard a song on the radio and they're just there, you know, to see another, a different band or whatever, which is great too. That's right, awesome. Right, right. I welcome all of it. But when you meet people who are like, I get it. I get it all. Like head to toe, like it, it, I, it sink, it's sunk in with me. Then that's like, that's even better. That is so killer. Now you guys just got back from Europe, uh, recently, last couple of days, somewhere yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that trip like? Were you playing new songs? Like, what was the reception like? How was that? Yeah, it, this is the first time where we, we actually played three new songs before the record was released. I don't think mm-hmm. we've ever done that. Because right. um, we had these two really small, intimate shows, one in Berlin, one in London. And um, the reception has been amazing. I mean, it's like it's always a good feeling when they don't feel like new songs to us as a band. Yeah. So you know you're on to something. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it was, it was awesome. We kind of grouped them all together too, which we've never done before. We've yeah. always kind of doled them out individually, like through the set, you know, trying to like mm-hmm. give them a song they'll recognize before or after it so we don't lose them. Right. This one we were like, let's just play three brand new ones in a row and just like take it on the head. And that's what we did. And it was amazing. Actually, it went off. I think like we like these songs too. And like, yeah. We so that makes a difference. You know what I mean? Like we don't have good poker faces. We can't like pretend. <laughs> we can't pretend to like it. You know what I mean? And so like yeah. when people see that we're getting into it, that speaks volumes as well. And so you you know we're about to start the we're about like I'm just coming with you guys yeah, are about yeah. to start the come tour. come on with you're Dude, welcome. Don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, you're starting the tour with Deftones and Thrice uh, tomorrow here in Chicago. Uh, what's on deck for this tour? How are you viewing this? Like what goes into Rise Against Tour mentally, emotionally? Like how do you guys prepare for that? I mean, <clears throat> this is our first co-headlining tour, or did we uh, co-headline? We co on with Thursday, I guess. Oh, yeah. Man. I want to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. no, Alkaline Trio was not. Thursday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, we keep wrapping my head around that idea, like, that we're co-headlining. This is, like, this is their show. This is our show. We're doing uh, the same size, or the same uh, amount of time every night, mm-hmm. you know? And so we, we talked about this going over the set list and stuff like that. We're trying to figure out, you know, and, like, 60 minutes is so hard to try to fit in 
everything you want to fit Eight in. albums. Right. Yeah. I know. Like old stuff, new stuff, it's like so difficult. And I don't know. Like we, we struggled with like trying to find the right songs to play because we realized there's a lot of, there's a lot of Deftones fans out there sure. you know, who are like, maybe want to come to see a Rise Against show, but maybe we can like keep their attention, you know? I don't know. It's, it's, this one's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, you know, with a lot of planning went into the, just the production end of it. I yeah. Think, you know, as opposed to just doing backdrops. So I'm excited to, to, you know, we'll have some video out there, things like that. Yeah, Chicago gets to see it first. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I cannot wait. And the show in Chicago is at Northerly Island, and I, I read in an interview, you know, when I was doing my research, being like, who is this band? Um, I was reading an interview I think one of you guys did, and it said that this is the biggest headlining show you've ever done in Chicago. Is that true? Whoa, is it? It is, because Whoa. we did, um, the day to remember was 8,000. USC Pavilion. Yeah. Oh, wow. So this is, in fact, yeah. How many people are at this show? Well, it's it'll be 9,500. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Some, someone said it was sold out, too, but I don't know if that's... I feel like yeah. I, I think I think management. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> said that. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that might be accurate. All right. Oh, we're gonna thumbs up. From that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the biggest wow, the biggest hometown show you've ever headlined. Wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's that is nuts. That's news to me. It's pretty cool. I remember, I remember when Alkaline Trio headlined the Aragon Ballroom on a tour. Like it's probably ten years ago. Yeah. And I was, I was talking with Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence Arms. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was like a proud father. Just like looking in the, he's like looking oh, at yeah. him. He was like, he goes, man, this is one of us. Right. This is one of us up there in this room. This room that holds the, the radio bands and the other bands, the bands from right. LA and New York and like that kind of thing. Like, this it means is, something. Like this is the first time, like he was looking at it like this is the first time somebody from our world has like walked on that stage and not as an opener, you know, right. but as the person who closed that night. And I was like, I was thinking about that. I was like, wow, that's, I never... Yeah, like you're right. This is like our tribe, and right. so to see, like I consider you know guys like Brandon and, and Skiba and Trio and Danny mm-hmm. and all those guys like family, like from our own little Chicago gang, you know. Right. And so to have that happen, like and have this happen tomorrow night, you know. Yeah. It, it, it this guy's excited. The, the ambulance is excited about it. Right. I can tell. <laughs> the I, I, paramedics I like are super very excited. Chicago element to have the ambulance Abs- in the background. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we have some. Do we have any questions? All right. So we'll take a couple questions in, in a minute. I just want to wrap okay. up with one or two more. Um, you know, you guys have been a band coming up on about almost two decades. You're eight records in. You've had a really accomplished career, and it's and it's significant. Like. What have been some of the highlights, you know? I mean, things like meeting the guy with the tattoo, like, what have been some of the things that really stand out when you look back at the whole of what Rise Against has been through? Uh, uh, Not to put you on the spot, but, like, what does it all mean? I mean, there there are definitely a few milestones that that stick out. The fact that we signed to a major in in the wake of a lot of bands signing, and it it, it worked. Yeah. The point of, of us signing actually worked. We've never demoed for the label ever. We just did our thing, and we were successful in that regard. Opening for Foo Fighters in Australia and the East Coast, mm-hmm. amazing. Being able to bring out bands that we grew up listening to, like Rancid, yeah. Bad Religion. All mm-hmm. those, I mean, those are milestones for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Being able to meet our heroes too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. one thing to like play in a successful band, um, and then another thing to play in a successful band that the guys you grew up with have validated. 
Yeah. By by taking you on tour or saying I like your I like your stuff. Yeah. You know, because like we could be successful musicians in some other genre. Yeah. Always pining for like a bad religion show to like you know pretend like to to give us some, like the nod you know. But the fact is we've met all of our heroes and like to have them you know be into what we what we do. That's kind of that's the kind of stuff that never it never sort of. Uh, gets old, never makes you like not. You know, we were in South America last uh, two two weeks ago with uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy. Yeah, and he was like telling us that we were dope, and it was like, <laughs> holy shit! You know what I mean? Like the teenage can I get that in writing, Mister D? You know, <laughs> ever think? Yeah, that Chuck D would be like, you guys are dope. You know, just like that's just that. There's yeah, there's nothing about that that ever becomes normal. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so let's take a couple of questions. Um, so my brother Tomas here is running the stream. Cool. Uh, if you want to tell us what some of the, like, give us a good question. I'll repeat it into the mic. Um, and tell us who is saying it. This is from Zach Yenchik. How do okay. you feel recording wolves in an area where the majority of people are right-leaning? Did it affect the writing or recording in any way? All right. So Zach wants to know how it was uh, recording wolves in Nashville, where it's a different political climate. It's a lot more right-leaning than obviously Rise Against is. Yeah, um, and not just politically, but Nashville is a different place musically as well. Mm-hmm. So there was like all kinds of elements, and I like I, I, Nashville did a really good job at making Rise Against feel like black sheep. You know what I mean? The, <laughs> the like the black sheep, but like you know, just like the the loner at the party. You know what I mean? And but I will say that that's kind of where Rise Against feels most comfortable sometimes. Yeah, it's like where we do our best work, and so to be there, out of our element, you know, you. I was just talking to Q and I about this, and like, you, when you surround yourself with people just like your you, mm-hmm. it's easy to forget who you are. Right. And when you surround yourself, or you end up in a situation where there are people not like you, it reminds you who you are. And it was like, oh shit, like rise against. Like we have sharper edges than these these bands and these mm-hmm. people. You know, we have like we have a different identity. You know what I mean? We do we do something different, and let's double down on those differences instead of trying to become like our, like the environment around us. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do, uh, we'll do like one or two more. Cause I know you guys got oh, all good. Yeah. Um, this is a question from Lucas. How do you think your new record would have been affected if the election had gone the other way? Yeah. So Lucas wants to know, oh. How would the record have changed if Hillary had won? That's a good question. It's just 12 happy songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like yeah, a Maroon yeah. 5 record. Right, totally, yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was interesting setting down to do a Rise Against record in an era where progressive politics were starting to win the day. You know what I mean? And certainly there were a lot more battles on the horizon to fight. Um, and it would I would say it would have been different because there were times where I struggled with like, where do we fit into this? Where does the Rise Against narrative fit into 2017? You know, mm-hmm. um, what do what should we be pushing for? Uh, the election made those answers uh, a lot more crystal clear. But like before that, it was it wasn't as crystal clear. And so I don't know to be honest. I was I was in the middle of sort of formulating those lyrics when the election happened, and it sort of like it just like flipped my chess table up, and it was like start over. Yeah. We actually didn't work the day of the election because we were so in, so much in shock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We were all kind of like, whoa, because we were just like, 
it, it took us by surprise. So you were just starting to think about all the things you hadn't thought about, like what's this going to mean for this, 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 and this, you know, yeah. what's it going to mean for like our kids? You right. know what I mean, like what's it going to mean to have this guy who is, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of has a foot in the door for all these sexist and racist ideas and what that's going to mean going forward in this country. What's it going to mean for us as Americans traveling abroad? You know what I mean? Like going to different countries, which mm-hmm. we're, which we're starting to do now and having to apologize for this president left and right, you know, just, it just, it makes our life harder. People, people around the world already have this stereotype as Americans. You know what I mean? It's not helping. And uh, yeah. And the stereotype is this guy, you know what I mean? And so it's, yeah, it's a great question. And then, you know, we had, we never made our made it all the way down that road, so I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's do one more, one more really good one, and then I know the guys have got to go. This is from Candace. Mm-hmm. What do you guys feel is the most important song you've ever written? So Candace Whoa. wants to know what the most important Rise Against song ever written is to you guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's difficult because yeah. it depends on. I mean, you know. It depends on the person, right? Yeah. It depends on what's important to you as, as a person, as a listener. Um, I don't know. I mean, Tim, do you have... Yeah, it's, it's tricky because like, there, are, there are songs that purely sonically help define our sound and like, got us. Because I always say like, y- your politics are really... Unless you have a great song, no one's ever going to hear your politics. No one's ever going to hear your message. You could put a great message in a really crappy song and no one's ever going to make it to the song or, or hit play. You know, So the music is important. Um, I guess to answer that question, I would go by the one, the, the song where the reactions to the song are, are the most meaningful to me or the most moving to me. And the last time that really happened was when we did Make It Stop, September's Children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to write a song that was touching on like homophobia in the rock scene and touching on like the fact that the rock scene needs to make a statement about, that, that condemns homophobia. And that's what Make It Stop was meant to be. And it really hit a nerve like throughout our whole scene, you know, and it let me know like that song was really needed, but it surprised me how many people really did need it. And they were looking for a statement like that. And to this day, you know, like being on stage and seeing people like tear up during the song, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Like I don't I don't claim to know about that struggle, but I wanted to write a song like people know like if you whatever walk of life you are, you are welcome at these shows. And I didn't realize how much that statement was needed till I saw people's uh reactions yeah. Sur- survive for yeah. me that's very it's a very <clears throat> therapeutic song for a lot of people and I, and I feel like that was you know that definitely is up there with uh yeah what I consider an important song that we've written yeah um uh, this has been killer I mean I, I could talk to you guys all day but mm-hmm. but you got a lot to do uh the new record is called wolves you guys are going on tour with the deftones and thrice this summer you're doing a fall tour right with a who are you going out with? Oh, we have a European, or no, we have a yeah, the fall tour with um, Pierce, Pierce the Veil. Pierce the Veil, yeah, yeah. And uh, is it was it White Lung on that? White Lung, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like Pierce the Veil and White Lung. Uh, so we won't play Chicago on that tour, but we'll play a lot of places that we're gonna miss in the upcoming Death Janesville, tour. Wisconsin. Oh yeah, come to, come out to Janesville. Yeah. Come to the Sonic Boom Festival, yeah. Chicago. Like, come on, that's close. Do it. Um, Tim and Joe, Rise Against, and I have to say this real quick while I have you guys. It's I've been interviewing you guys for a long time, and I feel very fortunate to have done that. I got to do that via Key 101 um, when Chris Payne and I worked on the local yeah. show. And, and I have to say, this is really important to me. Like, I was a producer. I was behind the scenes, so I didn't really do a lot of interviews. And it was you guys and Fall Out Boy that were really like, 
the the bands that allowed me to step into that role and start being not the guy behind the scenes, but like being on the mic. So mm-hmm. I owe you guys a huge amount as well. And thank you for always taking the time, man. It's, it means so much. Well, you, when we, you go around the world and you talk to a lot of jokers who call themselves journalists and you come to appreciate um, oh, a, man. Little, a, little, a little more every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, have an incredible tour. I can't wait to see uh, the show tomorrow night at Northerly Island, the biggest hometown show Rise Against has ever headlined. Uh, Tim and Joe, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank yep, you. Thank you. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.